You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. I'm torn. On the one hand, I personally love the lockdown lifestyle, but I felt more entrepreneurial than I have in the past 12, 13 years. And one thing I'm doing is, for the first time, I'm buying a mobile app on one of the sites that I've described in, in previous Instagram Lives. So I describe in this upcoming Q&A that you're about to listen to, I describe what kind of due diligence I did, what sorts of things I was looking for. I, I'm very excited about this. I'm kind of closing the deal right now. So once I close the deal, I'll describe more specifically what the app is and what my big dream for it is. Uh, meanwhile, also I talk about a business idea for weddings, because all weddings are obviously changing in, in what I'm calling the Great Reset. I talk about the backstory of Fifty Shades of Grey and how anyone else can maybe achieve a Fifty Shades of Grey. I talk about the 1% rule. I talk about if you're moving from a blue state to a red state and you're worried you won't make friends, how to deal with that, and many more things. So hope you enjoy this upcoming podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, or topics, you can text me at 203 590-8607. Also, Robin's very excited to join these podcasts with me. If you have any feedback for her or anything, let us know. Thanks so much. Welcome to today's Q&A. Robin, how's it going? We're in brand new chairs, by the way. What kind of chairs are these? I have no idea, but I feel like we can't like be so close. Can't be so close to me? I don't know. But you, you're compelled or you don't want to be? I smell? Maybe. I took a shower. I took my first shower of the week. Yeah. So hello, everybody. Uh, feel, feel, feel free to ask questions at any point. You can ask them here, if I, but I might not see them. You could also text me at 203-590-8607, and I will see those. I want to talk about uh, how to start up an online newsletter, what, I've already discussed this before, but what maybe best practices are for such a thing. And, um, but I also wanna just remind everybody that, it, you know, right now things feel weird, right? Because we, we sort of have this urge that we want, we want things to go back to normal. And then they told us, oh, well, it's not gonna go back to normal, it's a new normal. And then they say, well, it's going to be like a new normal, but 50% of businesses will be out of business. But what I want to remind everybody is that there's not going to be a new normal. Normal, first off, normal wasn't so good right. to begin with. I mean, here's what happened in the normal world. A hundred million people worked corporate jobs and one out of three of them were laid off mm -hmm. within a month of the lockdown. Like. You could argue, and, and I'll argue this, the American economy 
was doing the best it had ever done in February of 2021. That was the best month ever for the American economy. But is it really that great if one out of three Americans within a few weeks, a few days of the government shutting down the economy, one out of three Americans were laid off? I don't know. I don't know if that's a good, a good or a bad thing because were, were companies that insecure, had that little cash that they just had to fire everybody immediately? And the answer is yes. I mean, the average restaurant only had 16 days of cash in the bank. Right now, Yelp is saying approximately 40 or 50% of their, of their clients, their restaurants and other stores are already out of business. Uh, so we were fragile. Yeah, the economy, the economy was fragile. And that's a really good point. And I, I, I think I've done this before, but let's, let's go over Nassim Taleb for a second. <laughs> so Nassim Taleb, I don't know, you could have different opinions about him. I don't care. And you could have even different opinions about his books. His books are, are all over the place. He actually recently published another book. Um, but I want to go over the titles of his books, because if you, if all you know is the titles of Nassim Taleb's books, then you don't have to read them because his, his books are about the economy and making decisions on investing and stuff. Forget about all that. But I'm interested in how do I make decisions for myself? So right now I see on Twitter all the time, everyone's and on Facebook too, everyone's arguing, arguing, arguing. I'll give you an example. Two days ago on Facebook, a new private face group started, which was, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was, it was for people who are thinking of or about to move out of New York City. And so this has been a big debate in New York City, which is, you know, just on Monday, there were 11 killings and shootings, whatever. Yeah. There's never used to be killings in New York City. New York City was safe and nobody seems to care. And it's not in the news. Like if you go to CNN, it won't be on the news. I don't know why. There was a but shooting just right down the street from our yesterday. Oh, good, good, good to hear. It was a shooting right down the street from mm -hmm. our apartment. Um, what, what, do you know the block? Well, it wasn't right down, but it was 109th street, I think. And Columbus. All right. So right near, so basically right next door to Columbia university where Molly's heading in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there was, there was a shooting. Good, good to hear. So uh, for these reasons, you know, all the first tier cities are everybody's thinking of moving. The business opportunities are gone because now we're all able to work remote. The restaurants are closed down or out of business. So usually in the big cities, you get the best food, like New York City, San Francisco, LA, you get the best food, no more. Cultural stuff, like the Broadway's closed. Yeah. Lincoln Center's closed in New York City for, for shows or opera or jazz. Comedy clubs are closed, bars are closed. And Miami, we, so we came out, we figured let's escape this shithole, it's all the rioting, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we came down to Miami. Now Miami's closed. <laughs> Miami was open. We come down here and they're like, oh no, Robin and James are here. We better close down. I was supposed to do comedy either last night or tonight at the Hard Rock Cafe in Miami, yeah. closed. Rescheduled for August 12th, but closed right now. We'll see what happens in August. I'm also booked, I forgot to tell you, I booked on August 29th somewhere, but I forget where. All right, well, I'll be available. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be able to make it, Robin. Yeah. Um, but but well, here's what's interesting though. So this Facebook started two days ago and uh, it was for people thinking of moving to New York and they were comparing notes about where to move, 
the prices of where to move, our real estate going down. And then somebody made an interesting comment, which bothered me. And it didn't, the direct, the political direction of her comment didn't bother me. The fact that this was a group to help people make a very important decision in their lives. She said, I'm really worried about moving to XYZ location. Will there be too many red people there? You know, meaning Republicans. And I get, and she said, I'm blue, she's a Democrat and New York City's blue. And will there be too many red people there? And, you know, and everybody commented immediately, no political discussions in here, which I agree with because this is about people making, you know, and when, when you're talking about blue, are you talking about Biden? Are you talking about Cuomo? Are you talking about de Blasio? Because New York City, de Blasio, Cuomo and Biden don't necessarily agree with each other. So I don't even know what blue means. It's not like there's a blue yeah. team and a red team. Right. Cuomo was so upset at de Blasio, he almost tried to figure out how he could kick de Blasio out. And right. Trump was upset at Cuomo, but then he wasn't. And then Cuomo was upset at Trump <laughs> and then he wasn't, who knows? But if I was to respond to this person, I would have said, listen, you, you were in New York City the entire time. Mm-hmm. Whatever's happening in New York City, everybody in New York City mm-hmm. is a little bit responsible for it. Like, you're, you, there's nobody else responsible for it but people who live in New York City. It's not like people came from uh, Alabama to New York City, trashed New York City, and then went back to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all, all the problems you're having with New York City is because of people living in New York City, what, regardless of what political affiliation. Yeah. And so you got to take a little bit of responsibility for yourself. And so, so. Plus, I, I think it's crazy because why do you want to surround yourself with somebody that's exactly like you? How do you grow that way? I mean, like, how can you base your, you know, your next home or location on their political, you know, beliefs? I, yeah, I, I like, would never do that. Yeah, like, for instance. Like, I have friends that are Democrats. I have friends that are Republicans. I have friends that are independent. I mean. So what? I think it's great to have a whole different perspective, but you have to be open to listening. Right. I think I think it's important. We here, but but I get it though. Here's what's happened: is that we've gotten so enmeshed and polarized in this team behavior. Are you on yeah. the blue team or the red team? If you're on the red team, yeah, I right. can't talk to you. Yeah. If you're on the blue team yeah. and I'm on the red team, I can't talk to you. But like, look at us, for instance. So we're big fans of Eric Adams, the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Borough President, right. Democrat. Um, extreme Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, he's running for mayor of New York City. Right. I was fans with of Andrew Yang, uh, oh, and and well, I like Andrew. Yeah, Andrew Yang's great, and you know, but also I like lower taxes. The Biden tax plan has much higher taxes. Mm-hmm. By the way, just a little comment on taxes. Taxes do not solve budget deficit problems. When the government collects money, it doesn't immediately go into a bank account the money actually disappears. The government does two things with money. The money, the government prints money through the Federal Reserve or the Treasury Department, and the government destroys money. So it's not like when, when money comes into the government, it doesn't immediately go out and say, okay, well now we're gonna pay these people. You all, they all, the government only pays people when it either generate, one of their divisions generates, you know, like they sell an asset and then they give money to people directly or they borrow money from the Federal Reserve and then sometimes the money coming in goes to pay for the money they borrowed. But raising taxes doesn't immediately get spent. It's not, well, that's not how you save an economy, but that's another issue. But, uh, uh, you know, that gets into monetary theory, whatever, not interesting. But uh, de Blasio, 
he would go on TV and say things like, okay, no large gatherings. You can't have schools open. And he would specifically say, except if you're protesting, which doesn't really make sense. Like people, and either, either gatherings cause coronavirus or they don't. And look, this is a serious virus. Maybe they should have enforced uh, uh, no protest. But at the same time, New York City's had no new deaths recently. Power to New York City. So maybe the, the virus has died there, in which case allow large gatherings, allow yeah. people, people need to feed their families. There was an economist, um, I think his name is Donald Henderson, died recently, wrote a, a great paper saying the best way to respond to a pandemic is to allow people to keep making money. They'll, they'll make their own decisions. Before the pandemic, before the lockdowns happened, which was on March 16th in New York City, people were not going to restaurants. They had already right. decided for themselves to social distance. Stand Up New York, the comic book, was empty. We had to shut down early. Uh, subways were empty. We wouldn't let our kids on the subway. Like, people people were wearing masks. I would wear a mask to Zabar's before the lockdown. Mm-hmm. So people make are, are capable of making decisions. They don't need a fatherly government figure. And I'm not even being libertarian. I'm not a libertarian either. But they don't need a fatherly government figure to tell them what's right and wrong. And in fact, we realize now that the government was lying to us much of the time, you know, all the different parts, well, the, they, the WHO, the CDC, Trump, right. Cuomo, de Blasio, they all had different agendas. That's right. And I'm not saying they were bad for lying. Like for instance, um, people would say, I won't say who, people in the government would say masks aren't so important. This was in March. They said it with good intentions because they want, they thought there was going to be a short supply of masks and they wanted those masks reserved for doctors. And so I get it. So they, but they lied yeah. and we trusted them. And then they, you know, you, you Once have you to, get that, you don't trust the person again, or you, you, you yeah, start or, to think that they're not telling you the truth about other things. Or you get depressed, and I think that's what was happening. I think what's mm-hmm. happening now is we're seeing a lot of anxiety. Anxiety has led to things like the autonomous zone in Seattle, which is no longer. But, you know, the good news is, here, here's the good news. I just looked again at the data. I wish I could show you the chart. The chart's right in front of me. Go to World of Meters and look at daily new deaths in the U.S., it obviously, it peaked around April 20th, mm-hmm. which is what we said even in early March would happen. I said April 15th, so I was wrong by five days. And it's been going, the daily new deaths has been trending down ever since. So that's the good news on the virus. It still exists. It still exists. I have a cousin who's now been on a ventilator for two weeks, mm-hmm. and it's sad. He came down with pneumonia while on the ventilator. They realized he was diabetes, uh, has diabetes while he was in the coma on the ventilator. So you know, knocking on wood, he's okay. This virus is, is serious, but the trend is down. It's, you can't say, you can't argue about the data. The trend is down on the number of new deaths. Yes, some states are getting the curve at different times than other states. And so you have to be careful, like in Miami right now. And then you have to go on with your life and do things. So you can't say, oh no, I can't live in New York City anymore, but I'm so fragile. I can't be around people who believe in different things. Yeah. Like when uh, you have to look back through history, 17, 1789, you know, the, or 1787, the, the constitution was being written. Who was it being written by? James Madison, James Monroe, Alexander Hamilton, uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson. It's a good thing I saw the play Hamilton yeah, before right. they canceled it, but uh, before cancel play. culture canceled it. But the important thing is, is that these people did not disagree, did not agree with each other. James Madison 
hated Alexander Hamilton. Thomas Jefferson hated John Adams. They did not agree at all on just about anything. That's why James Madison and Alexander Hamilton and James Monroe teamed up to write the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers so they could have discourse. So what does being a liberal mean? Political liberalism means you have many different voices and, the, and, and you have a democratic system that can handle many different voices that come together and discuss and come up with solutions. And by the way, some of those voices will be insane and you mm -hmm. shouldn't trust them. But that's a small fringe. Mm -hmm. You can't give all of your political power to the fringe. So yeah. uh, two, like 15 years ago or 20 years ago, there was too much political power maybe in the fringe, alt-right, you know, super, you know, evangelical. I'm not saying evangelicals are no good, but there was like a fringe uh, uh, alt-right religious community that was maybe having too much power. And, and that was, you know, influencing the Newt Gingrich's of the world and some political factions in the Republican party. And now we have an all, like, I'm liberal, I'm Democrat, I'm Democrat on every single social issue. There's maybe too much, when you start seeing everybody cares, like yesterday, Barry Weiss, who was a, a, a reporter and editor at the New York Times resigned. Now, Barry Weiss is a friend of mine from way back. She used to be my editor at the Wall Street Journal. And then she became a top columnist at the New York Times, very famous, well-known columnist at the New York Times. She quit the New York Times because she said, uh, and I believe her, she said she was being bullied because people thought she was too conservative, which she was definitely was not. She said she was being bullied because she wrote a book about anti-Semitism and someone said to her, you know, oh, you're gonna write another article, is it about the Jews again? And really? so what? Man, and, and you know, another, uh, another person, um, Andrew Sullivan, resigned from, I guess, the New Republic, uh, and he's been there for a, a, a billion years, as long as I've been reading The New Republic, he's been there. So it's starting to get to be too much where the voices that were important for us to learn from and to listen to and are disappearing. Had, yeah, and that had an open mind, really. Yeah, and like, if you have an open mind, you go on Twitter, Twitter says, oh, you have an open mind. Here, I have something for you. Here's a glass of poison. And then that open mind, you take the poison, the open mind degenerates into the worst, most angry, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like these, this woman on Twitter, oh, I can't move to a state where people disagree with wow. me. You have to be able to dis you love and friendship and, and community and even a democracy have to rise That's above right. one voice yeah. or another. You have to have Humanity. a pluralism of voices all talking and discussing. And you know, America prides itself on being the most democratic country. But once you start, you know, once you start to call call Deborah Messing, if you know who Deborah Messing is, an actress, once you start to call Deborah Messing a racist because she was against Kanye West running, you're making a mistake. Now, by the way, they didn't call her a racist because Kanye West was black. They called her a racist because she implied that Kanye West would steal votes away from Joe Biden. So she was being at a liberal or a Democrat cause and they still call her racist. So it got topsy-turvy. Or there was another, there was another article, and, and by the way, this is, I'm gonna repeat a, a Ben Shapiro comment. So if you haven't called Ben Shapiro, I'm sorry. But some group, uh, some newsletter said um, they were outraged 
because there was a law or a discussion about cervical cancer that did not include transgender women. And they said, you, if you're gonna make the, this budget for cervical cancer, you have to include tra transgender women. And Ben Shapiro had to point out, people who convert to being a woman from Don't being a man it. do not have a cervix. Like they're not gonna get cervical cancer. They're not, right. you know, so I don't know, do you have then separate right? And this was JK Rowling's point is that women have been fighting for equal rights for hundreds of years. And yes, there are, I will agree, there are many different genders. There's cisgender men, cisgender women, there's trans men, trans women, but biological women, this is JK Rowling's point, should not be at the bottom of the totem pole again when asking for rights. That's all she said. And now she's, her, literally people are burning children's books about a boy wizard who happens to look like me a little bit. So I'm against the burning of Harry Potter books and our daughter <laughs> loves Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. We have several daughters who love Harry Potter. Anyway, I'm gonna ask, answer some questions now. It's just a crazy world. <laughs> it is a crazy world, but, but that's okay. That's it okay. okay. It's... Because here's what, here's what you have to do. You have to say to yourself, that's a crazy world, but I'm not gonna get angry about it. No. I'm not gonna go crazy. I'm just well, gonna. We're happy. I mean, we're happy with ourselves. It seems like the people that are really bitter are not happy with themselves for some reason. I think that's a good point. I think, I think, they're trying to outsource their happiness to being. Oh, I'm in the blue yeah, team, and the blue team's gonna win. Or I'm in the red team, and the red team's in power. Yeah. So I'm I'm outsourcing my happiness to what team I'm on. It's the same reason people might wear shirts with like a Nike logo. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. but sometimes you outsource a little bit of your self-esteem to what logos you're wearing. Yeah. This is why like in the 80s, like sometimes you'd see kids would kill people for like the, their Adidas shoes or whatever. Because mm. uh, uh, that's the I would kill people right now for Yeezy shoes. I want my Yeezy sneakers, which is the Yeezy. Kanye West. Oh, really? Yeezy, you gotta, you gotta be up with the, the oh, times, I, Robin. I, I, no. um, so, 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 and again, the more people ask me all the time, mm -hmm. why am I, how do I get productive? Well, uh, and then I'll ask, answer a question. Part of it is I don't really mm -hmm. go on, I, I, I've stopped going on the homepage of social media. In the beginning of all these IG lives, I was because I wanted to see how people were misinterpreting the data, mm -hmm. but now I've stopped. I just focus on looking at the sources that I care about and, and, and you know figuring out whether the pessimism is warranted or the optimism is mm -hmm. warranted. Here's where I'm pessimistic. Things are gonna change. Some millions of jobs are not gonna come back. My, my personal back of the napkin estimate is that 14 million jobs that existed before the pandemic will not come back, which but is why- they'll be added more, different types of jobs, I think will be- Maybe, added. but it won't replace the 14 million. There will yes. be, there will be for years, there's gonna be, we're gonna, right now we're at about 12% unemployment. The lowest we're gonna get in the near future is, and this is just my guess, mm -hmm. but it's my prediction based mm -hmm. on 20 years of looking at this, the lowest we're gonna get, we're not gonna get back to 3% unemployment, which is where we were in February. The lowest we're gonna get between now and early next year, at least, if not more, is 9% unemployment, which is about 14 million jobs. But, but, and you're right, there's gonna be some jobs like contact tracers, yeah. Amazon's gonna replace people, I'm gonna hire people, Walmart will, whatever. But there are opportunities, which is why I love talking yeah. about these, ideas for businesses. Right. Someone just asked me, my wife 
and, and again, you could ask me at 203-590-8607. This is where I saw that question. Someone texted me and said, my wife um, is a, she sells wedding flower arrangements. How can she pivot in her business? Because there's no more weddings and there's no more external weddings. Mm-hmm. The people aren't like renting a hall and, and you can't even rent a hall in the future because you don't know if there's going to be a shutdown. Sure. Like, you don't. Oh, we just got a call from Boca Raton from some spam pop. But we don't know if like a year from now, maybe New York's going to be shut down. You don't know if you could rent right. uh, the planetarium to have your wedding. There's going to be more outdoor. There might be outdoor weddings, but in or New York home. City or some or city. In your home. Yeah, yeah, there might be. But remember, large gatherings are not allowed. So you're not even allowed to have a, a gathering of more than six people in Miami right now in your home or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. So here's what I would suggest to this person. Mm-hmm is, you know, I always suggest as a basic, make sure you're writing down 10 ideas a day because you're ultimately, and I'm speaking to the woman who does the wedding flowers, you're ultimately the expert at what you do. Start writing 10 ideas a day so you start exercising that creativity muscle. But beyond that, and I've briefly talked about this before, I do think there's gonna be an opportunity, just like there are wedding planners, there's gonna be an opportunity for virtual wedding planners. So let's say, I was going to help somebody who was having a, a, a virtual wedding and they were in Kentucky. So first I would check the laws in Kentucky. Do you need to have a minister in the phys- same physical space as you? If not, if yes, then we'll arrange that. If not, then we'll figure out how to do it via Zoom and make sure all the technology works and so on. Now, how many people do you want to invite to your wedding? Let's make the list. Let's invite them all via Zoom. Should we send kind of a, a gift or some some game-like things that we could do during the wedding. Like I'll plan like games that everyone could do on Zoom. Like let's do a trivia contest about the couple and we'll have prizes and awards. Mm -hmm. Let's have the wedding registry on Zoom. Uh, Let's auction off things on Zoom because the wedding won't be as expensive. So the the couple could plan, you know, a few more extra frills. Let's make sure the bride has a snapshot in a breakout room with every single guest. Let's Mm -hmm. make sure the couples with every single family member. So we take, so we'll act like a Zoom photographer. Let's make a really nice Zoom or virtual wedding album that can be displayed on a special Instagram page and also physically printed up and sent to the couple. Let's send, let's maybe send everybody a, a, a bottle of wine that's branded with the couple. So they have a mm-hmm. drink and like, let's maybe deliver meals, make sure meals are delivered to every person who's attending the wedding. So there's, Think of all the things you would want to do or have at a virtual wedding and you could still plan. In fact, I would go to a virtual wedding. I would not go to a real wedding. I didn't even go to real weddings before the pandemic. I am certainly not going to real weddings ever again in my life, but I would go to a virtual wedding where, oh, there's my friend from high school getting married. It's so nice. And then maybe some uh, someone delivers the, the meal that they, that they pay for and someone delivers a bottle of wine so we could uh-huh. drink. And then everybody's having like a trivia contest about the couple and yeah. you know, the college and then everybody's taking zoom photos. So we're all, I'm getting, Oh, Hey, John from college. It's good to see you again in the breakout room, like blah, blah, blah. So that's an, that's one idea. Uh, uh, I have an idea. You know, sometimes, uh, at the, at the wedding, the bride throws the bouquet mm-hmm. to all the single women. Like the lady that has that business, you know, the flower business, she can maybe 
I do a package for like the single women that are invited and maybe that could be sent to their home. That is an awesome idea. Maybe, and instead of throwing it, maybe yeah, there's they, some kind of trivia quiz or game to catch the virtual bouquet. And then it could be sent in the mail or something. Yeah, or maybe even hire, play some mobile game that's hooked up to the wedding that where a, a bouquet is thrown and right. people virtually awesome. try to catch it. Uh, so there's, there's always ideas. And then, by the way, then you can kind of advert, you could then do a newsletter or an online course, how to do a virtual wedding, and you could sell that course. And then you can hire other people to help uh, do virtual wedding planning for you. Or you can outsource some, some of the stuff to India, like getting the branded wine and getting it delivered to all the right places. So. Or you could start that yourself. Yeah, so you could you could That's a really good idea. So you could build yeah, so yeah, start a whole wines for weddings business. Right. Um, or wines for events business, like bar mitzvahs, weddings, right. whatever. So always think of the ways to scale. Like so weddings are at the core, is remember the spoken wheel approach. Weddings at the core. So let's do a, a, a virtual wedding planner. Let's do podcasts about virtual weddings and, and weddings in general. Let's do, um, uh, 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 you know, an online course about how I set up virtual weddings and the checklist you would need for virtual weddings for anyone else who wants to do this. Let's set up, let's do a deal with wedding registries and then I get an affiliate fee from right. virtual wedding planner and I'm hooking the couple up to a, a, a registry. Mm -hmm. Maybe I get an affiliate deal. So that's another source of income. Let's write a book on, on virtual events, conferences, weddings, right. uh, uh, court cases. Uh, we have a friend who's a lawyer. He, you know, he's constantly logging into Zoom now for court cases. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's issues there. It'd be interesting. The whole do a podcast about virtual events. So all I'm saying is, don't. It's easy to get trapped. Like, well, I only I love flower arrangements. I love floristry. I only want to do that. I'm sorry. Nobody is buy, buying flowers for a real wedding anymore. And there's nothing you could do, but if you like the wedding space, here's some opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, if you like the flower space, maybe there's other opportunities, you know, outdoors or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, that was one question, but it's also trying to s describe a way of thinking. There's nothing we can do about this. We can't regret what the government did. We can't gr regret what the virus did. We can't regret if this politician was good or like, Cuomo was good or bad, Trump's good or bad. It has nothing to do with me feeding my family by working and making a living. I have to now take what I did and maybe I'll create an even bigger business. Well, how can it be bigger if the economy is shrinking? Don't forget, they just airdropped $2 trillion on the economy. And trust me, they're gonna airdrop more money on the economy. That money has not gone into the economy yet. There's, a, there's $2 trillion out there waiting for you, me, you to go in and start a new kind of business that's never yeah. been started before to take that tr those trillions of dollars. And it's not a bad thing, a good thing, a crazy thing, an evil thing. It's just what we have to do now to be healthy right. and, 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 and so on. It, yeah, survival. Yeah. yeah. Survival. You know, another thing uh, it's important is how much, like previously, if you worked at a job, there's this whole notion of keeping up with the Joneses. Like, oh, I'm a middle manager at Procter & Gamble. My neighbor is a middle manager at Exxon. I gotta make sure I have the same kind of house as him. 
here in this time, which we're calling the Great Reset, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore. Guess what? The Joneses have died. Sadly, the Joneses are dead now. The, the entire period that lasted from, let's call it 1910 to 2020, the, the Joneses were always your neighbors for 110 years. They're dead. They have gone. And now is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? I don't really like this house. I don't really like living in Akron, Ohio. I think maybe I'm going to move to New Orleans or a suburb of New Orleans, or I'm going to move to Barbados, or I'm going to move to Hawaii. New Zealand or yeah. Hawaii, like where all the real estate's down right now, like all the real estate's crushed all over the country. I can live wherever I want now and do my virtual wedding planning business. Right. And you know what? I don't need a five bedroom house. My kids are, are gone now and space wasn't as important as it used to be. My husband and I could live in a one bedroom, a two bed, one bedroom in an office, or maybe we'll live in a, one of those tiny houses and we'll buy a plot of land in Alabama and live in a tiny house. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to, 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 to have, I wanted to learn how to, how to play the piano. Maybe I don't want to work as many hours, so I don't need to make as much money because now I'm going to focus on learning how to play the piano. I'm taking at lessonface.com. I'm taking a beatboxing class, not quite ready to show off my mad beatboxing skills yet, but you know, in, I sacrificed making, figuring out how to make more money so I could learn beatboxing. But did I sacrifice? Because when you make money, what can you do with it? You can either invest in things that will make more money, or you could invest in luxuries that, oh, I got a nice watch. Okay, great. Well, some people love watches, some people don't. Or you could invest in having experiences. Oh, I want to go, you know, cl climb. The, I want to go climb a volcano, or I want to go uh, live in New Orleans and learn how to be a chef, or I want to be a professional rapper. I'm 70 years old, but I think I could be a professional rapper. You only have so much time in your life to have some of these experiences. You're not going to be playing tennis every day when you're 80 years old and you finally retire. If you're 40, maybe you could bear. I could barely play tennis every day, and I'm in my 50s, by the way, I don't play tennis every day. When I say barely, that's probably a lie. I probably can't do it every day. But you're gonna run out of time for some of these experiences. You, money, experience, money, when you invest money to make more money, you get what's called a dividend. So if I buy Exxon stock, every year I'm gonna get a 4% dividend. If I put $1,000 in Exxon stock, every year I'm gonna get $40 back once a year. But if I, if, if Robin and I, move to New Orleans and I spent a week taking a cooking class, we take a cooking class together, that I have infinite dividends. Every single day, I could think about how fondly that experience was taking a cooking class in New Orleans with Robin. And, and maybe another dividend is I could cook and she could cook for me and I could cook for her. That's another dividend. Oh, and then the next day, I think I'm just gonna enjoy remembering it again. Or the next day, I could think, huh, I'm going to combine New Orleans cuisine with Israeli cuisine or Chinese cuisine. And I'm going to make, um, you know, what's a good New Orleans dish? Uh, uh, grits. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make crawfish. I'm going to make crawfish with soy sauce on it. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, buttered crawfish and put some soy sauce. I don't know. And, and so that pays another dividend. So experiences have many more dividends than money. We've been so focused in the news on how much money 
how many people have lost their jobs, how much money has been lost, uh, how much money things cost. Well, guess what? Harvard is going to take your $70,000 a year tuition and you still have to take you still have to uh, take classes remote. You can't even go to the campus. Maybe your kids shouldn't. Maybe you could save money. Maybe your kids shouldn't spend seventy thousand for a course. I mentioned yesterday how Google's offering certificate programs now for almost zero dollars, and they'll hire people who get those certificates. So education is changing. Buying a house is changing. There's a site. I forgot what the site is. There is a site where you could rent. There's houses, it's almost like Airbnb, but not quite. You could rent for two month periods, fully furnished houses or not furnished, move into them in just two months. So the whole notion of ownership is gonna change and it's gonna get cheaper. Sometimes you wanna live in a nice house. Sometimes you're gonna live in a smaller house because you just wanna go, oh, I wanna go to Montana for the experience. I wanna go to um, Louisiana for the experience. Maybe I'll rent a smaller house. Maybe when I'm Kansas, I'll rent a bigger house. So. Experience, you have to think about how you're converting money into either experiences or reducing anxiety or keeping up with the Joneses and ask yourself, do I really need to still keep up with the Joneses? Who were the Joneses anyway? So on Wall Street, it's very common. People make a million dollars a year, $2 million a year, but a lot of that is in bonus and they feel like, oh no, I'm making 2 million a year. I got to buy the big house. I got to go buy the fancy car. I got to do the big vacation. You don't have to do that anymore. Focus on what you really want to do and quit that stupid job that takes a hundred hours a week until you're 60 years old. And then it's too late for you to go take a chef's class in New Orleans. It's too late for you to go to uh, you know, basketball camp with uh, Michael Jordan in Las Vegas or whatever. Anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so this is just a comment. James, I used your ideas about writing business ideas down every day, but lately I've changed it to composing music. Every morning when I wake up, I record the first thing that comes to my head musically, and I have done this for about 18 months with fantastic results. Thank you so much, this has changed my life. Wow. I appreciate that, The but you changed your, I just wanna mention you changed your life. It's hard to write a and record it takes discipline to record a piece of music every single day. But it's important to remember the 1% rule. If you compound something, and I'm talking about a skill, not money, if you, but, even, but if you compound money, you compound anything 1% a day for a year, it doesn't just go up 365%. It goes up 3,780%. You get, you get 37 times better. So $1 turns into $37.80, not $3.65. You might be thinking, huh? How does that make sense? It's 1% a day, it's 365 days, isn't that 365%? No, because day two, it's a little bigger. Now you're taking 1% of that. Day three, it's a little bigger, it compounds. That's the power of compounding, which Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world, compounding. It's not linear, it goes up exponentially. So what you did, Tom, the person who asked me, who, who sent me this note, is that you improved at composing music 1% a day. So you got 37 times better, whatever that means, we don't know. But you took an experience and compounded it and changed your life as a result. If all you did was 
put money in the bank, you don't change your life. You just have more money in the bank. If you compound a skill 1% a day, now 18 months later, you're a composer. You're a musical composer. We'd all love to hear your recordings now. You're, you're good now. You're one of the best in the world. That's what 1% a day improvement does. If I want to improve at writing 1% a day, I know I'm going to be one of the best writers in the world within a year, two years. How about 30 years later that I've been trying to do that? So um, I'm not saying I'm the best writer in the world, but close to it. Uh, all right. Uh, somebody says, what, business, what businesses should I buy to thrive? So I had mentioned previously some business ideas you could have that uh, you could, you could, it's much easier to buy an existing business than to start a business. So if you start a business from scratch, you have to come up with the product, you have to come up with the idea, you have to make the product, and then you have to figure out how can I afford to make the product? And then you have to figure out how can I afford to market it and advertise it? But what if you were to buy an existing business? And I've described this in several podcasts. I won't go over the financial aspects again, but we uh, are in the process right now of buying a small business. Specifically, uh, I am buying a small app on, uh, for, for Apple and Google phones, for, for you know, Apple phones and Android phones. I'm buying a small app that's a game and I'm using one of the websites where you can buy and sell apps. And I'll just tell you, the, the, I'll tell you roughly the financials. So it makes a certain amount of earnings per year. And so I had to do due diligence. I said, well, how did you do? I looked at all the financials and I asked myself, how did this person do during the lockdown? How does this person do in the summer? How does this person do during a recession? How does this person do when there's a bull market? How does, uh, how does he do in the winter? Because maybe in the summer people aren't playing apps as much because they're outdoors. Who knows? Uh, I had to see where is the audience? Is it South America? Is it Europe? Is America? Well, it's important because American advertisers uh, pay more, but maybe if most of the audience was in South America, maybe I could figure out, maybe that means there's room for growth and I have to decide how will I advertise this so that it grows. And, uh, you know, I had to, I haven't done this yet. I'm a little nervous about it, but I have, I'm going to do due diligence on the software, on the code. I will go through the code line by line and make sure if something needs to be changed, I can change it or someone I can hire can change it. And I know how to explain the problem to them. I had to negotiate a little bit. The game was made just for Apple. It wasn't made for Google. So I offered a little bit more money in the price and he's going to make the app for the Android. So uh, more due diligence. I had to make, I did a background check on the person who owned the app and on his business. He was in another country. So it's a little harder to do due diligence on him. I had to, I had to basically go through all these questions, but the important thing was I wanted to make sure I was paying no more than three to three and a half times earnings. So let's, I'll just, I, I'm, I'm going to make up numbers. Let's say the business, this, let's say this game on, on the iPhone made 10,000 a year, making up numbers. That's not what it makes. I don't want to pay more than $35,000 to own this game. And there's a reason for that. Um, when you put money in a savings account, you get every year, they'll give you, if I put a hundred dollars in a savings account, 
every year I'm going to get 0.65%. That's the interest on a savings account right now. I'm going to get 65 cents for every $100 I put in a savings account. But I know if I pay three times earnings for a game that, that generates 10000 in profit a year with little or no work from me, then that means it's as if I put $30,000 into a savings account and instead of getting a tiny, tiny amount, I'm getting $10,000 every year instead of, you know, one fortieth of that. So uh, whatever one fortieth, I'm getting, instead of getting, I don't know, a thousand dollars a year, I'm getting, or no, sorry, instead of getting $80 a year, I'm getting 10,000 a year as like almost as an interest bearing account in a savings account. But there's more important. A, because I negotiated to get the Google app finished, I could maybe double my earnings right away. So that was one factor because right now this app sells one ad per game played. Maybe I'll sell two so I could double earnings immediately. So there's various opportunities to double earnings. We talked about this. Maybe there's ways to change the app a little bit so I can private label the app for other people. So once I finish buying the app, I'll, I'll explain what that means and I'll show you specifically. And then the, uh, so, so there's various ways I can improve the earnings, but even more importantly, there's a meta business model. Every business model, you should have a meta business model. So if I buy a hundred of these apps, then I'm not just going to, I'm going to buy them all for three times earnings, but it's just the nature of business. And I didn't learn this until I was 15 to 20 years an entrepreneur. So I'm, but I'm telling you now, the smaller a company is, the smaller you can sell it for as a multiple of earnings. So if something makes 10,000 a year, you'd only buy it for $30,000. But if something makes 10 million a year, it's not gonna sell for three times earnings, it could sell for as much as 10 times earnings. So if I buy a whole bunch of these apps and combine them together, and even if I don't improve the earnings at all, I'm buying them all at three times earnings, I'm selling them at 10 times earnings, so I'm making 330% on my money. I'm making a huge profit just by combining them without doing any additional work. So there's two business models. One is improve the way I'm making money per app. And the other is just buy a lot of them and then sell them once I combine them because I'll get a higher multiple on earnings. So I'm going through the process of buying my first app. And the real critical thing is what is the multiple on earnings? Because if it's small, don't pay more than three or four times earnings. Try to pay two times earnings. The other thing to do is, someone says hypothetical app. I am actually going through the process of buying this app. Believe me, I'm nervous about it because of the software component. It's been, I've never programmed a mobile app and it's been a while since I've done any programming. But uh, don't pay more than three or four times earnings. And by the way, buy something you love. So I've been able to play this app, this game, and I got addicted to it. She saw I wouldn't go to sleep at night because I was trying to, they, they keep track of all those high scores around the world. I was trying to be the best in the world all of a sudden. I get very competitive. And I even, I was so happy with my high score, not from last night, but from this morning. I was so happy for my high score. I even texted the guy in his little island uh, my high score and I'd be in his high score. So I'm happy about that. But uh, so that makes me want to buy the app even more. And then I, and the more I play it, the more ideas I have for improving it. And I think, right. why didn't he think of this? And sure. this is the hard level is not really that hard. Like maybe we can make it even more difficult mm -hmm. and that's in the code. So, mm -hmm. so again, if you're thinking about buying a business, you know, 
just fo focus on what are the earnings and what's the multiple I'm paying over earnings and make sure you do thorough, thorough due diligence. So no matter what's happening in the economy, no matter what's happening in your, anything, the earnings are gonna stay the same or grow. So that's why what happened in the pandemic, what happened, and, and if, if the earnings shot up in the pandemic, I cut them in half in my mind, and I only wanna pay three times that, you know, my mental image of the earnings, because maybe the pandemic is just a one-time thing, and if it shot up, I'm discounting it. So I'm looking at the average earnings, also, I like the longevity of this business. This business has been around nine years. It's been downloaded a million and a half times. It has uh, a rating of four and a half stars on, on about 7,000 or no, no, about 2,000 reviews on the iTunes store. So four and a half stars with 2,000 reviews is great. Uh, so I know the business has been a long time and I was able to see the financials nine years back and I saw steady growth. And then I looked at the growth last month during the lockdown, but anyway, that's how you decide, you know, pay three times earnings, make sure the earnings are real, do what you love, see how you would improve the, the business that you're buying, and then meta, uh, 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 you know, buy lots of businesses so you get it. So when you sell it, you sell it for a higher multiple of earnings. Let's even go more meta. You could do an online newsletter or like I said before, an online course or a podcast about every business you buy and do the step-by-step -step guide. So there's lots of ways and that helps you build awareness for, I want more people to download this app once I buy it. Right. It's sort of like what I do with um, cooking when I cook well. But, uh, you know, you buy something already made, like a spaghetti sauce or a salsa. But then you, you take what was already made and then you add more ingredients to make it better. So that's sort of yeah. what you're saying. You know, it's like you can make something instead of going from scratch. It's just easy to take something that you like and then you can actually... Make it right, because this person who I'm buying this from, he was in his lane. Like he made mm -hmm. a basic version of this game and it's a very common type of game, but he made a basic version of it and he stayed in his lane. Whereas we're coming in and we can maybe right. throw other ingredients in because we're excited. We Whereas he's making, he's making other games. He wants to use the money. You always have to ask why, you're, why would you sell this business? Yeah. And he, but he wants to use the money. He's making another game that's much bigger. So he's more excited about something else. He's right. not going to work on adding these features. So asking someone why they want to sell and having ideas for how you can improve it, that, that you're right. It is like, it's like someone, it's like taking your mom's recipe and she never changed it, but now you're younger and you just came back from Cajun class in New Orleans, you could throw in some Cajun recipes. So um, let's see, another, another question. Uh, I forgot where I stored the questions, okay. Uh, Um, oh, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, uh, that's not it. Oh, this was a, a, an interesting question, which was a little weird. Uh, so I have a weird answer. Someone wrote me and said, um, uh, I'm a cucumber on Tesseract. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. I want to create a platform for a business who can help. Uh, here's what, here's an idea. First off, so, so, so this is someone asking on Instagram, I want to create a platform for a business who can help. So I'm not sure what you mean by platform, but I'll assume you need some software written. So you can go to freelancer.com and you spec out, spec out in full detail what 
the requirements of your platform are, be as detailed as possible, draw sketches if you need to, describe what every page, whether it's a mobile app or a website, describe what every page looks like, describe the functionality you want for people who don't have accounts, people who do have accounts, people who are searching, people who are messaging, whatever. Describe everything, put it on freelancer.com, and people from around the world, programmers from around the world, will it's called the reverse auction, they will bid lower and lower to do your job. And then you have a chance to do due diligence. You can even ask someone for like $100 I think it costs, you can even ask someone at freelancer.com to help you do due diligence on these programmers and you can pick a programmer that way. You could pick a programmer through Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. There's lots of ways you could find a programmer. You could, if you have some software skills also, you can go to something called codementor.com and they can give you answers. We were thinking a few months ago of making a quiz app. Well, it turns out you don't need to know how to do software at all to make a quiz app for the iPhone. You, there's, a, there's a website out there that will generate quiz games for you and upload it straight to the iPhone store and you need an Apple developer account, but that's it. So, um, so, so maybe it's the case that your platform could be built with very little uh, software. So there's, there's various ways. You could find one of these, it's called no code websites, or you could, if you're doing a little bit of coding, you go to codementor.com and get advice from them. They charge like $15 an hour, or you can go to freelancer.com and outsource it or if you know somebody, but, but the first thing I would do is really spec out what you want, what every page, what every screen looks like, and spec it out for people who have accounts, spec it out for people who don't have accounts, spec out all the functions and features, just make sure you can draw it, so that way you can explain it easily to someone else. So now the question someone just asked me was, and this is weird, like uh, this person, and I appreciate it, this person writes short romance stories, so he loves the romance <laughs> genre, he writes short stories that are romance. He thinks they'll be very appealing and he wants to write a four pay subscription letter for romance stories. I don't think I would pay a subscription to see romance stories. Yeah. Would you? No. Wait, are there any kind of fiction stories that you would pay a subscription newsletter for? No, uh, maybe if it's more investigative. Yeah, you like that. I like that. Yeah, but then I would do, want to do it like in true crime or something like that, like real yeah. cases. Right? I don't know, like taking something, a subject that's happening, you know, like Epstein or whatever. But this fiction, though. Into, right, but I mean, I wouldn't do that. I would yeah. go more towards... But here's what I would recommend. So I appreciate what this person wants to do. They need to make money, but they love writing romance stories. Here's what I would do. Go to fanfiction.net or Wattpad. So Wattpad is W-A-T-T-P-A-D.com. And these are sites where you can write short stories. So Wattpad has millions of people reading short stories on Wattpad, it's mostly for kids. But fanfiction.net has millions of people also. You could pick any TV show like Gossip Girl or Friends or Seinfeld or Harry Potter or whatever and you could write fanfiction uh, and you'll get followers. People who every time you write a story, you'll get another, you'll get more, if the stories are good, this is how you, this is how you validate this idea. If your stories are good, then over time, you will build up a fan base and a fan following. Remember, money, experiences and skills are more important than money. So right now, we gotta get you the experience of getting on a disciplined habit of writing these romance stories and putting them out there for the public to see, and then we validate the idea, we have the experience of validating the idea 
Post on fanfiction.net, post on Wattpad, even post on Facebook. Get fans and followers. E.L. James, you know who she is. She wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. Guess what? She started out on fanfiction.net writing fanfiction for the movie Twilight. So she was writing all this vampire fanfiction and someone said, boy, you should make a book out of this. She got 1.8 million followers on fanfiction.net just writing all this erotica about based on the Twilight movie series. And then she figured, you know what? I'm going to write a novel about this, but I can't use the Twilight characters. So she just switched the vampires to billionaires and she posted her stories, which was Fifty Shades of Grey. And she made, she's a, probably she's a billionaire now. There's like five books later, there's movies later, but she started out on a fan fiction website. She got up to 1.8 million followers. Then when she had all these followers, she published a, a version, not the same thing, but she changed it to soft porn erotica. She published it on Amazon and her 1.8 million followers bought the book right away because they loved her. And boom, off to the races. Like it became, it's not a well-written book. I've, I've read it. I wanted to see what is so great. And it's, but it, it follows the formula of a romance of soft porn or whatever. And it's fine for that. And it, it coincided with the development of the Kindle. So people could read on the subway without seeing, you know, yeah, you, right. you, no one knows what you're reading. Oh, I'm sure. reading, I'm reading Nietzsche. Yeah. Don't look at what I'm reading. It's in my Kindle. And, uh, uh, so, so she published this. And by the way, she asked Amazon. She sold, she sold her first 250,000 copies, self-published on Amazon. She asked Amazon if they could publish it to one of their publishing companies. They actually rejected her. They didn't like the book, even though she had sold so much. And then I think it was Random House or Simon & Schuster. And the, the months she published, one out of three books bought in the entire world. This was like September 2014, something like that. Um, one out of three books bought in the entire world were Fifty Shades of Grey. So that's the benefit of building up a following at fanfiction.net. And you could say to yourself, well, I want to start making money right away. You're not going to make money anyway, unless you have fans. So you've got to, you've got to test the idea and you've got to build your skills, get your, your fans on Wattpad or fanfiction.net, or there's probably other sites out there too, where you can publish romance. And then you know what? Harlequin, those are, go to harlequin.com. They have a very specific formula for romance. Maybe you could expand some of your short stories into novellas. You know, Harlequin romances are only about 30,000 words. That's half the size of a normal book. So go to harlequin.com and see if your romances, maybe you could paste them together and interweave some stories. And if it fits the formula at Harlequin, you can publish through Harlequin, make some money. So that answers that question. But, Meanwhile, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm going to, uh, yesterday I said we wanted to talk more about newsletters. I guess this last answer was a little about newsletters, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them either tomorrow or the next day. Newsletters, the good, the bad, and the ugly, how to make a good newsletter with best practices, how to make the most amount of money with either a newsletter or an online course. I'm going to talk about what it means to have a free newsletter, a front-end newsletter, a back-end newsletter a community, how to build a strong community, what does it mean to upsell, to downsell, when should it be an online course, when should it be a newsletter, how you should price a newsletter, how you should advertise it. I'm going to do a full thing about newsletters. Or you can ask me questions or ask either of us questions. Text 
We'd really love to get your feedback as well. I hope this was helpful to you, whether we were talking about the virus or the economy or politics or some of the answering some of these questions. Mm -hmm. Give us some feedback. Love to hear it. Yeah. See you next time. What, what do we have planned in the next day? Uh, what day is it today? Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, a few things tomorrow, people to see. We're having dinner with someone who advertises on our podcast. It's very exciting. I'd love to have dinner with people who give me money. Thanks very much, everybody. I'm going to save this on my Instagram feed, and we'll also package it into a podcast. Thanks very much.